Well, thank you, Caroline. Good afternoon, everyone. And uh, I think one thing you missed out about my uh, career is that I used to work in advertising. So you can trust every word you hear from me this afternoon. <laughs> thank you to uh, Rose and indeed to the Christians in Parliament All Party Group for inviting me to this uh, splendid occasion. Uh, looking around the room, I realize that I am probably uh, one of the very few people who will not one day get an obituary in the Times, which I hasten to add is not my goal in life. But uh, that honor awaits most of you. I don't suggest that you hasten your demise in order to achieve it, but it awaits for you for a particular reason, which is that it reflects the reality that almost all of you in this room have committed your life to serving the national interest. Um, and I, for one, am hugely grateful for that. And, uh, and therefore find myself rather humbled and frankly amazed uh, to be standing before you today. Now the Queen's extraordinary life of service has been much celebrated in diverse ways and in many media over recent months. But here's the thing. We've been invited to hear many people's words about the Queen, but almost never invited to hear hers. We've been told by a host of humans what the Queen's life has been about, but have not really been given the opportunity to hear what she thinks her life is about. And so I want to focus primarily on her words and what they might tell us about two things. First of all, her vision for Britain and what has shaped that. And secondly, her understanding of her role and what has underpinned that. Now, I suppose in the Queen's case, it would perhaps, uh, for those of us who don't know as, her as, as well as many of you perhaps do, it would be easy to believe that because she has no executive power, she has no dynamic vision for her country, no great ambition for us beyond our general well-being. But the opposite is the case. Indeed, I suppose it would be remarkable if the woman who has worked so very hard to bring the Commonwealth nations together in friendship and trust would not also have her own particular hopes for her United Kingdom. Well, uh, you can tell what's important to people by what they praise. And the Queen is no exception. She affirms excellence in every field, but what she praises most is selflessness. And I think this goes far deeper than a kind of general affirmation of neighbourliness or kindness. Her view of citizen-neighbour love goes beyond kind of spontaneous acts of good Samaritan generosity to a much more, I would say, radical call to give our best gifts for the sake of others. In 2012, she put it this way, it is my prayer this Christmas day that his, that is Jesus's example and teaching, will continue to bring people together. Why? To give the best of themselves in the service of others. For Her Majesty, neighbor loving is a lifestyle, not just a gesture. It is a duty of citizenship, not just an occasional impulse. Now, this theme of service goes back a long way, back to the 50s. But in 1980, in one of her addresses, she laid out what I think is probably one of the richest visions for contributory citizenship, which I think is probably unmatched in public rhetoric uh, by any leader in the last 50 years. So after acknowledging the huge variety of ways in which people do uh, indeed contribute to our national well-being through business, through education, through the arts, through media, through government, through the armed forces, through the church and so on. Listen to how she ends. 
To all of you on this Christmas Day, whatever your conditions of work and life, easy or difficult, whether you feel that you are achieving something or whether you feel frustrated, I want to say a word of thanks. And I include all those who don't realize that they deserve thanks and are content that what they do is unseen and unrewarded. In her kingdom of kindness, the measure of value is not the grandness of the action, nor the scale of the impact, but the selflessness that impels it. To me, this vision goes far deeper than JFK's ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. It goes deeper than Tony Blair's call to active citizenship or Barack Obama's yes, you can or yes, we can or even David Cameron's big society. It goes to core identity and proactive responsibility. Who am I? Who are you? I am a citizen of the United Kingdom seeking to offer my best in the service, in the service of and for the benefit of others. Strikes me that that is a radical and these days a deeply countercultural vision. The vital strategic nature, and I'm aware of partly where I am, the vital strategic nature of such a sensibility was highlighted in a Guardian editorial last week. Once again, uh, the Guardian pronounced, as oft they do, the end of normative Christianity as a national force, but then found themselves in the ironic position of lamenting its loss, wondering where, oh where, will we find in all the wells of Western thought, I quote, a vision of humanity that transcends narrow self-interest. A vision which they believe is the essential prerequisite for addressing the challenges the world will face in the next 50 years. Well, the Queen's vision is not just a vision of a selfless, self-giving society, it's a vision of a kinder one. She summons us, I think, by her words to selflessness, and she summons us by her actions to kindness, the kindness that she models in her unfailing, gentle, and warm interest in the people she meets. Perhaps some of you heard Dr. David Knott on Desert Island Discs uh, very recently, last week, I think, talking about returning from Syria after operating on seriously damaged, wounded children in the savage destruction of Aleppo. And soon after returning, um, he was sitting next to the Queen at her lunch. And when it came to his turn to talk to her, so traumatised was he by what he had seen and experienced in Syria that he just couldn't talk. And somehow the Queen uh, picked up on this and said to him, well, shall I help you? And all of a sudden, the courtiers brought the corgis and the Queen opened a tin of biscuits and invited him to feed and stroke the dogs. And so for 20 minutes during this formal lunch, the Queen and the good doctor fed the dogs. If in doubt, don't call the cavalry, call the corgis. <laughs> it's amazing thoughtfulness, isn't it? And understanding and executed with a resourcefulness and agility that I think James Bond would have been proud of. But where does this lived vision come from? How do any of us get a vision for our life and our work? And I wonder who or what inspires you 
to public service? Who did you model yourself on? Sometimes we get clues from our politicians, don't we? Roy Hattersley writes biographies of Wesley, of Lloyd George, of the Booths. William Hague explores Wilberforce and Pitt the Younger. But I think it is relatively rare these days for people in public service to tell us about their heroes and their heroines or the big ideas that inspired and shaped them. But in the Queen's case, we do not have to guess. It's a very curious thing that we know very little, really, about what the Queen thinks about most things. But we know a great deal about where she gets her vision from. We know it because she has told us clearly and she has told us repeatedly. She gets it from her understanding and commitment to Jesus. Here's what she says in 2014. For me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor. I love that. It's an anchor, it's a rock, and it's an inspiration, putting wind in her sails. A role model of reconciliation and forgiveness, he stretched out his hands in love, acceptance, and healing. Christ's example has taught me to seek to respect and value all people of whatever faith or none. Christ has shaped her in a particular way, and she repeatedly describes her life as one of service and of sacrifice. This is the time of year, she said, when we remember that God sent his only son to serve, not to be served. He restored love and service, where? To the centre of our lives, in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, as you know, this life of service um, is one that she has consciously committed herself to, as I suspect many of you have done as well. She made a vow before she was crowned, and she made a set of promises at her coronation. But the most significant moment for her was not the moment when she was crowned, but the moment when her, her hands, her chest, her heart, in other words, and her head were anointed with oil. That is, the moment when she accepted her call under God and was anointed for that job in his name. The moment, if you like, when she gave herself to serve God in her role as queen. And that's what she's done. Rightly, I think we do celebrate the Queen's achievements, but humbly, gently, and very quietly, she has told us, and the rest of the country, in any horribiles, and in any mirabiles, and in any ordinares, that the source of her strength is Christ. She has told us that her hopes for reconciliation, whether that be in Commonwealth lands or in Northern Ireland, were rooted in the reconciling love and sacrifice of Jesus. She's told us that her vision for a nation characterized by self-giving was inspired by the self-giving Son of God who gave his life as a sacrifice for many. As I, you may have seen, the, the Queen wrote the foreword for the book uh, that uh, Catherine uh, Butcher, who's over there, and I wrote. I don't know of any other book um, that she has graced with such a gift in her entire life. I don't think it has anything to do with our writing abilities. I don't think it has much to do even with the, the charities involved, the Bible Society and Hope and the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. I think, I can't tell you, but I think she wrote the foreword because she wants her people to hear her speak. She wants her people to know who has been her inspiration and her anchor. 
because she wants her people to know whose vision has shaped her vision, whose character has inspired her, whose strength has enabled her to the magnificent job her people thank her for. I think she wants her people to know that the king she serves is good and is faithful and that he extends his invitation of relationship and love to all, as indeed he extends his invitation and love of love to all of us here this day. So for my part, I am immensely thankful to Her Majesty for her gleaming example of Christ-shaped service and immensely thankful to her for her humble pointing us away from herself to the king she continues to serve so, so beautifully.